Rise above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com. Money can be a daunting subject, and while most money shows include a whole bunch of jargon, you're not going to need a dictionary on hand in order to learn while listening to our show, How to Money. We have money conversations that are relevant, and they're intended to help you suck a whole lot less at this money thing. We release three episodes a week covering crucial topics like student loans, investing in a volatile market, and what to do about insane housing prices right now. Since April is Financial Literacy Month, now is the perfect time to start. Listen to How to Money on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Eva Longoria, and I am so excited to share my new podcast with you. It's called Connections with me, Eva Longoria. The goal of this show is to learn, get inspired, and get connected. How should we connect with our partners, our kids, money, politics, food, jobs, news, spirituality, sex? How can we connect better with ourselves? Listen to Connections with Eva Longoria on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. Look, I don't know about you, but I've definitely been watching more movies about fictional apocalypses and large-scale disasters uh, since I've been in quarantine, and we've all been experiencing a large-scale disaster in our own lives. It might seem a little counterintuitive, but to me, it's kind of like listening to some sappy Bonnie Vare song after a breakup, or maybe watching Cheers on your iPhone at a bar. <sighs> I miss bars. Damn. Well, anyway, apparently I'm not alone here, at least with the disaster movie stuff. Our entertainment team recently put together a list of the definitive disaster movies of all time, including Independence Day, San Andreas, The Day After Tomorrow, Twister, Armageddon, and more. I'm about to talk with some of the writers and editors who made the list to get their takes on what constitutes a disaster movie in their minds. If Dante's Peak is indeed better than Volcano, we'll settle that, we'll debate. Uh, why you should definitely watch The Core at least once. It's a fucking wild movie. And much, much, much more. Uh, let's get right to it. Here we go. Okay, I'm here with three members of Thrillist Entertainment Team. Staff writer Emma Stefanski. Hey Emma, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. I'm ready to ready to talk disasters. Of course. And senior <laughs> staff writer Dan Jackson. Good day to you, Dan Jackson. How are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. And executive editor and my close dear friend, John Sellers. John, how are you? I'm sorry I said that we were close friends. That's my bad. You're my best friend. <laughs> That's why I feel bad. I was underselling our friendship. So, Hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hi. So you all put together with the help of the whole entertainment team, 20 disaster movies you should absolutely watch right now. Um, It's a really good article. But why right now? Is the immediacy just an editorial uh, style thing? Or have you actually found yourself watching more disaster movies as we live through this real life disaster, uh, the coronavirus pandemic? I have been going down a disaster movie rabbit hole. And it has been one of my favorite rabbit holes um, in the sense that it is so bleak every time I look at the news, but it's never as bleak 
as when you see the news in a disaster movie. Right. <laughs> so you feel better about your own self after seeing, you know, uh, the day after tomorrow, for example. For those two hours, and then I read the news again, and then I'm, I'm miserable. <laughs> but yes, yes, it, it definitely has this, like, curative effect uh, that immediately goes away once reality sets back in. But that's the whole point, is to distract yourself a little bit. For sure. Uh, Emma, what do you think? Are, have you been watching more disaster movies? Not just for this article that you had to work on, but uh, for your own personal viewing habits. I guess I kind of have. I think a lot of them, and I mean, this is probably true all the time, but there are a lot on streaming right now. So I've just sort of been going through and seeing like, oh, yeah, like here's a fun like blockbuster, cool movie with weird science that I can just watch and not have to think about anything else for two hours like my friend recommended the core to me and i had never seen it before so and it's on netflix now so i watched that and then john has been watching all these movies and so i told john to watch the core and then he watched the core and then we you know this list sort of like ballooned out of that um not saying that's all my idea but it is all because <laughs> so, so two things we learned it's all your idea and secondly the core of this <laughs> the core of this list is the core that that's what spurred the whole thing <laughs> Dan, what do you think about all that, all, uh, everything that's been said so far about this article? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty accurate representation. I was like a kind of an unwilling participant in this. Like, <laughs> I have not been watching a lot of disaster movies. So this, I'm kind of like the guy running away from the big wave that um, John and Emma built. Um, and But now I'm riding the wave, um, to continue the metaphor, because... I've started I've started digging back into some of these disaster movies as part of working on this list because honestly my first impulse with all the stuff going on was not really to watch disaster movies right. because they're not necessarily my favorite type of movie for reasons that anyone who's seen a bad disaster movie probably understands um but I've been enjoying getting back into them they don't they have a lot they have a lot going on and they're kind of a fun break from things and they provide sort of an interesting way of looking at stuff so i've i've enjoyed riding the wave even though i was not necessarily a willing participant in the beginning yeah you're you're riding the tidal wave much like a uh, snake in escape from los angeles if you're familiar with that film of course yeah but i think first um how are we defining disaster movie here you know emma you pointed out that Wikipedia, which of course is my main reference for cinema always splits disaster movies <laughs> into two categories Natural Disasters and End of Days. And also, I think it's pretty funny, under Natural Disasters, one of the movies is cloudy with a ch chance of meatballs, which I think is really funny. But <laughs> your your list is a little more nuanced. It runs the gamut from Armageddon to World War Z with things like Titanic, The Day After Tomorrow, uh, Twister in between. Uh, Dan, what, what qualifies as a disaster movie in your mind? Yeah, we talked about this a lot. I would say disaster movies tend to have a sense of, there's this, I think it's about two things, it's about scale and spectacle. So like it needs, there needs to be kind of like a big event that, you know, is shown to be affecting a lot of people. So that's kind of the scale part. And then, yeah, the spectacle part is pretty obvious. It's like the first thing you think of when you think of disaster movies, which is shit blowing up and, uh, you know, dogs running and people running through the streets and just like, peril and mayhem you know that's kind of the those are like the two core parts of it so if you have both of those then you probably have a disaster movie but as you get deeper into the sort of micro genres and types of disasters it gets a little bit harder to untangle right so so scale is important um that is is that why you know john we don't see something like 
a Jaws on here as a disaster movie? Because I don't know if you've seen Jaws, but that that shark does make quite a mess. But is it just is it too small of a mess to to to, to qualify? Yeah, we have we have a couple of there's there's obviously exceptions to every genre rule, but um, something like a Jaws or you brought up uh, before Godzilla, mm-hmm. uh, even though there's a lot of mayhem and a lot of destruction um, that is caused and a lot of nervousness that uh, the characters go through. Um, those, those are more monster movies. So th- that's why I would not really put um, the, the jaws in there. How do you guys feel about the mist? Because there are lots of monsters, but it is kind of like an event. Uh, I think that, you know, without giving too much away, a lot of bad stuff happens. There's a lot of really scary things in it. Um, is, is that more of a monster movie to you than than a disaster movie? That's a horror movie. That's a horror movie. Okay, so there's that. That's that's a distinction there for you. Yeah, disaster yeah, movies think, aren't really horror movies, right? Yeah, I would agree. I think that's kind of an interest. That's like kind of a a key point. Like disaster movies aren't necessarily horror movies. They have elements of horror and suspense and thriller, but like they're a little bit they're a little bit different. They're kind of their own unique thing they're sort of like more fun like obviously there are exceptions to the fun thing like because like, there are plenty of disaster movies that aren't exactly fun mm-hmm. yeah like uh, the impossible would be yeah. not, not funny <laughs> um, no. but there's definitely like you, you're not scared watching them really like the, the stuff happening is obviously like oh god if that actually happened in real life then you know we would be fucked but uh the point <laughs> is not to like frighten you i think the point is just to sort of thrill you or, or you know exhilarate you in some way in, ju- uh, well, in general yeah because yeah. they're kind of like these like anti-human movies like you know they're all like they usually follow like a broad range of characters and they're, they're kind of like sentimental but like the like the, the meat of them is often these like just kind of bizarre scenes of destruction and sort of like society collapsing and the, the movie just kind of observes it happening and you kind of sit there going like oh shit like i'm i'm glad that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) but i think first like just just add some context around disaster movies uh from what i understand they did kind of rise to prominence in in the 70s with films like airport and poseidon adventure and of course towering inferno starring film legend oj simpson john as someone who was around in the 70s is this where disaster movies kind of first (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) hit their stride wow Wow. Is that a bird? I was just... No, I'm, I'm trying to be real. <laughs> you guys are best friends? I don't know if I believe that. That's why we can banter yeah. like this. Yeah, our friendship is is, is over. Um, uh, what was the question? I'm so lost. What was the 70s like, John? Yeah. yeah that was basically... Yeah. Take us back. Um, tell me about Miles Davis. No, I think like Towering Inferno, uh, Poseidon Adventure those films were kind of set the template for what disaster films were. Is that correct? Yes. When I watched these, like everyone else on TV much later, (laughs) many years later, um, they did. Yeah. I mean like the, the movie, you know, there's a reason that these were all parodied by the airplane series. Um, there was just a ton of them in the seventies. Uh, you know, uh, the, the famous one, I would say like the most famous one is the towering Inferno, which had Steve McQueen as a, you know, he's got to save people in the tower, Mm -hmm. um, big tower. Um, and it's on fire. What's up? Bad news. Um, yeah. Um, and so that kind of like, uh, race against time feeling, 
Uh, and you know, there's always another peril like that happened in the Poseidon adventure as well, where, Hey, it's just a, it's a luxury cruise. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, uh-uh. um, it's not going to have fun because that ship, that ship is going down. Mm-hmm. And then a ragtag group of survivors, a lot of people died. Um, but a ragtag crew of survivors, uh, some, some are quippy. Some are definitely destined to die of course. in the next scene. Of course. Uh, and then there's the, you know, the heroic few. That kind of template uh, was used over and over and over. I think that uh, I want to move on to some specific examples so we can start talking about some of these movies. Uh, it, it seems to me that climate-based disasters, including a couple that you just named, seem to be the subgenre's bread and butter. Um, you know, you have The Day After Tomorrow, you have The Perfect Storm, you have twister which is a movie i do like but it does have one of the most off-putting lines in cinema history for me uh bill paxton calls helen hunt's ex-boyfriend a corporate kiss butt i don't know if you remember that but um <laughs> that kind of turned me off of the entire movie i understand why they did it pg-13 but no whatever uh <laughs> i, I want to ask you about one of these on the list that i haven't heard of uh emma geostorm uh what is that about <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, I think this does go into the sort of like, these movies are kind of an indicator of what the culture is worried about at a large scale. Because like, I think a lot of the reason they these movies had such a resurgence in the 90s was because of the year 2000. And like a lot of, you know, paranoia about that. Oh, sure. Uh You know, there's, you know, Y2K and everything. And then there's people being like, Oh, well, like doomsday you know, folks going like, well, you know, that's it. That's all we get. 2,000 years of the world. And then it's going to end probably, right? Which, Should of have. course, it... <laughs> Debatably. Wouldn't we be all better off? Yeah. Uh, it could also have ended already. And we were just, like, trapped in a in a computer now. And we just Simulation? don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is, is, that what ge- is, is that what Geostorm is about? Geostorm? <laughs> Thank you for putting me back on track. <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> Uh, and this movie is about a system of like satellites that control the weather all over the world. And um, they can like create, they basically like, they shoot down storms before they happen and like hurricanes, you know, don't exist anymore and everything is great. But of course, if a bad person gets control of these satellites, they can do some real damage. I bet. Uh, culminating in a geostorm, which is in fact a line of dialogue in the movie uh, <laughs> that someone says there's going to be a geostorm, which is it's amazing. Cool. That, like, the, the that movie is so cool. it's so underrated. <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, it's very fun. It's very silly, uh, and it, a lot of it is like completely computer generated. But um, I had a good time watching it. I just think the title is funny. The title is funny, and I think a lot of these, yeah, they are, you do want to watch them and just kind of have a good time, kind of like a roller coaster. Sellers, is Geostorm your favorite weather-based disaster movie? Um, I would say... And volcano movies are definitely a big subset here, too, headlined, of course, by Dante's Peak and Volcano, the twin lava blockbusters of 1997. Volcanoes were huge in 1997, um, apparently. Uh, Dan... How does this phenomenon of the movie Twins happen? I mean, we saw it here in 97 with these Volcano movies. We'll see it again in 98 with Armageddon and Deep Impact, which we'll obviously talk about. Um, how, how does this happen where two studios kind of make, like, ostensibly the same movie at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, it could be parallel thinking, you know. Everyone's just like, you know, two different geniuses are like, 
what happens if a volcano blows up, you know? Um, but I think there are, there's also a competitive thing that happens with uh, movie studios where they see one person has a volcano movie on their slate and someone else is like, all right, we need to get a volcano movie. And uh, then you got two coming out or you got two asteroid movies. So, you know, I mean, it happens. I would say it happens less now, but it, you still get it occasionally where there will just be two movies that pop up that have very similar premises or sort of topics and everyone gets to compare them and talk about Armageddon and Deep Impact, which is always fun. Right. It, like the um, the most recent example I can think of is the uh, Friends with Benefits those movies, there was two of them. One with uh, Mila oh, Kunis. Yeah, and no strings, yeah. no no strings attached, attached was the other one. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and the first the first example I can think of are the two elephant movies. Like Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> yeah. And then Larger Than Life with Bill Murray. <laughs> the two classics. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, it's like someone's thinking about volcanoes. Someone's thinking about elephants. Someone's thinking about... You know, relationships, I suppose. <laughs> There's always, uh, you know, just ideas yeah. buzzing in the air. Low-hanging we're always thinking for the about film industry. These, we're always thinking about these three things. Elephants, yeah. volcanoes, relationships. That's what my life mainly consists of, I have to say. Uh, out of out of Dante's Peak of Volcanoes, this is an important question, uh, the lava blockbusters of 97, which do you prefer? Because I think that Volcano was the bigger hit, but I think I definitely preferred Dante's Peak. Emma, what's your take here? I actually... Okay, Dante's Peak is the one with Pierce Brosnan, right? Yes, right. Volcano is Tommy I, Jones. Yes, okay. I thought that Dante's Peak was a James Bond movie for a really long time. <laughs> I saw it like it, I I saw it on TV like at my friend's house when I was quite young, and I think at that point like all the Brosnan um, James Bonds had sort of come out, and so we were both like, why do we know this actor? And then she was like, oh, he's James Bond. So I was like, okay, this is a James Bond movie. Uh, I mean, pretty much any movie with Pierce Bronson becomes a James Bond movie. Yeah. So, you know, like Mamma Mia, James Bond movie, <laughs> Doubtfire, James Bond movie, you know. There are just... aspects of Bond in, in Doubtfire, I will say that. <laughs> lots of disguises, <laughs> lots of deception, um, unrealistic exactly. scenarios. Yeah, well, so... so if you did think it was a James Bond movie, does that mean you liked Volcano better? <laughs> that it made more of an impact on your life? Uh-huh. I, mean, I think, I don't know. I like Dante's Peak a lot. I think it's fun. I mean, there's obviously parts of it that are very not fun. Uh, and there's a particular scene that I will remember for the rest of my life. Acid which Lake, is when, old lady. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's a Jesus. <laughs> yeah, everyone remembers uh, the remember Acid Lake. This movie was on like at a bar maybe a year ago back when, you know, remember bars? Um, and I was like, I've seen, I know this movie, I've seen this movie before. And then that scene happened. I was like, I know what this movie is. Uh, so it was very, um, very cool. So that's sort of like, it's a movie that's been with me for my whole life, like my whole pop culture existence. Um, so I think in that way, it's like the most familiar one to me. So I like it a lot. It's a great one. It's it's probably one of my favorite disaster movies. John, where do you lie on the volcano? Dante's there's only Peak one right. An- there's there's only one right answer to this question, <laughs> okay. and it's definitely Don- Dante's Peak. Okay, I think yeah, that's there's no question. It's First also of all, a really sick title too. It's like, a just great sounds- movie title. Dante's Peak is amazing. <laughs> it is. Um, but the 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 misnomer of volcano is that it's it's like not really what you would think of as being a volcano. It's like an underground volcano that lavas up, um, bubbles up with lava and, and magma. Yeah. 
Um, but Dante's Peak has the peak um, that blows its <laughs> blows its top. Uh, you know the the big phenomenon of a, of a what you would think of like the Mount St Helens style, you know Mount Vesuvio type thing. Sure. Um, Sleeping giant. It, yeah, and it, it you know it has a great it has a great uh, this is gonna blow scene <laughs> um, near the end of the movie that I won't spoil though everyone knows it's gonna blow so it's not spoiling anything. Yeah, it's Chekhov's um, volcano. It's got to blow at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, whereas vol- volcano is. Volcano is set in LA and it's, uh, you know, Tommy Lee Jones racing against time to like solve this problem. He's like a, you know, city, uh, disaster specialist. And, uh, it's really, but that one's like, things are bubbling up from underneath LA. And this, the other one is like a small town in the, in the Pacific Northwest and that is being threatened. Um, and meanwhile, there's a little romance. Oh, of course. Definitely. Yeah, Linda Hamilton's in it. There's a lot bubbling beneath the surface in Dante's Peak, whatever the town. Was the town called Dante's Peak? I feel like it might have been, actually. Had to have been. I think, can't remember. I don't know. Well, you know, we, we can't talk. I don't think I can ever talk about lava or magma and, and film without now thinking of The Core, which is a movie that we've talked about a little bit here. And um, it, it's a movie that you guys all recommended I watched, and it's on Amazon Prime, so I did. I'm not even sure where to start with the core. The setup is very complicated. It's not like, oh, shit, there's a meteor that's going to crash into Earth in 10 days. You you have to get, like, this TEDx talk during the movie with, like, a, a fruit and, and an aerosol can and a flamethrower. Out of the three of you, who is the biggest fan of the core, and who could help make some sense of it right now for people who have never seen it? <laughs> I would say Emma. Okay, Emma. Oh, God. I mean, look, I've tried to explain the quote-unquote science of this movie before and <laughs> failed. <laughs> Although you do get that, like, amazing, amazing scene. I'm going to say it's maybe one of the best parts of the whole movie where they, like, explain what's happening. And you sort of think that you can follow it. And then halfway through, you sort of realize, like, I'm not retaining any of this information. <laughs> yeah, you, you um, totally can't. It's very confusing. I think, like, I love the core because I love... Uh, like action movie tropey cliche stuff like i genuinely do enjoy that like if a movie has a character saying something crazy and then another character like yells at them and says in english please i love that <laughs> it, the best every single time it's good it's funny uh never stop doing it um and the core is basically just like that kind of thing but a whole movie of it you get yeah. like either cool character tropes you get your like unexpectedly cool character tropes like stanley tucci's character very cool uh yeah what the what the fuck is with stanley <laughs> tucci's character so amazing. I, I, I watched this movie last night because you guys were pushing for it so hard and i needed to you know understand it for the core cast that we're doing right now yeah. and like his character is so bizarre he's introduced like like signing autographs and like yep. wearing like a long black coat and like smoking a cigarette. Like he's this celebrity scientist. Like he's like Neil deGrasse Tyson meets like Steve Jobs or something. Right, but and he's like, in the administration, he, correct? He's like in the president. He's like a superstar, like yeah, cabinet member. Well, loosely, he he does say yeah. he says I I'm due at the White House in ten minutes. I don't have time for this. I think that's one of the first things he says. Yeah, because he's so cool. Yeah, he's like. And he's just, he's just rude. He's just this rude scientist man who repeatedly throughout the movie, like, is like a coward. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's such a bizarre, I mean, it's like a funny character. I enjoyed his performance, but uh, 
I kept being like, who is this guy? Like, I just wanted to know more about him. And like, he should get his own spinoff, honestly. I mean, he dies, unfortunately. Spoiler. Oh, spoiler. Um, well, the core a, there. a lot of people die in the core, actually. I, well, like everyone <laughs> commits suicide. Everyone sacrifices themselves for the cause. It's such a weird movie. There's like scene after scene of person just being like, well, I guess I have to die now. <laughs> they go off and they die in like really agonizing ways. Yeah, but the not- movie kind of st- still has like a chipper tone. It's very, very bizarre. It's very There's, like, weird. Joke at the end, which is weird after like your beloved, like favorite, you know, comic relief guys have like perished all in the magma. And then you get these two characters like having a little laugh about it. So the plot of the core is really the, 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 the core, huh? of the earth of the earth stop spinning meaning there are no magnetic fields anymore in our atmosphere meaning a whole bunch of shit's going to happen basically um yeah. so a team of ragtag scientists hackers um Stanley Tucci Aaron astronauts. Eckhart yeah astronauts Aaron Eckhart and his fucking chin they all have to call they all have to dig into the core of the earth and and save the earth from um kind of this convoluted apocalypse i it, this movie had so many disaster movie tropes packed into the first 10 minutes you have aaron eckhart who is the cool professor who's riffing with his students and like for some reason he is the only one that is smart enough to fix this problem some random college professor um he actually says i'm married to my work within the first 10 minutes which i thought was really funny (laughs) what are some other disaster movie tropes that you've seen throughout all of these movies because i do feel like there are always these common scenes in these common um cliches that so many of these disaster movies showcase john what do you think here so in the, to continue with, with the core, one of my favorite things in that movie is that there's scenes of, of uh, destruction around the planet as this problem begins to manifest. And one of them is like, you know, it shows a scene in Rome. And the only thing that you really see getting blown up, are, you know, are the landmarks that everyone knows. Right. Um, because, you know, how else would you know? where these things, where this, where these disasters were taking place. But yeah, like the Coliseum gets destroyed, um, you know, and then in, in other movies, you know, like a lot of them uh, directed by Roland Emmerich, uh, you know, like a white house or um, uh, empire state building gets, gets blown up. Um, So uh, that to be is a, is a huge trope, but then probably my favorite one that I discovered while watching all these are the number of times that people are driving in a car and there's somebody in the back seat who says, uh, go. And then the person looks in the car rear view mirror and you see, there's always a scene of the impending thing behind them coming after them. Uh, and then somebody in the back seat says again, like, uh, really, no, we got to go. And then the guy goes, I know. And then they keep driving and, you know, eventually they'll get away. Right. Barely. Right. Yeah. That happened in like 20, 2012. That happens in uh, Dante's Peak. That happens in Geostorm. It, ha- it happens in so many things. Yeah. The other excellent trope that happens at the beginning, the, the very beginning of the core is, um, I think in the core, someone is like, oh, my watch stopped working. That's weird. Well, I guess that doesn't matter. That always <laughs> happens. So it's like, oh, this is a weird thing. But, you know, whatever. That's fine. Ends up dying. Oh, and, the, and then there's always a dog. That they rescue. Yeah. Always a dog. Like in the, in, Independence Day is the best dog moment when there's the big explosion in the like, the tunnel and like the dog somehow jumps over like you know ninety <laughs> feet of cars yeah. and like dives to like Vivica Fox <laughs> and her kid and they like rescue it and it's just like all these people are dead but you're just like wow I'm really glad that dog is alive. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, we're going to take a very quick break, but stick around. There are more disasters in store when we get back. Rise above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Get ready to laugh and learn. I am Flame on the Road. I am He, She, We. He cash the check, she make the money, we spend it. And along with my co-host, Lauren Hogan, Laugh and Learn is a weekly podcast bringing you the latest headlines, keeping you informed, inspired, and entertained. You never know what you're going to hear, especially with my mouth. Listen and subscribe on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Definitely want to talk about Armageddon versus Deep Impact, which is, you know, the volcano and Dante's Peak, but in 1998, uh, that scenario. Uh, I, whenever I think of disaster movies, I think these two pop up on my mind first. I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment? Do you think for a lot of people, Armageddon um, and Slash Short Deep Impact are their references for disaster movies? I think for some people, probably. Like, I think Independence Day is probably, like, the one that most people have seen i don't know if i don't know i don't know if i can even say that because i don't know like how many people have seen i know like not many people probably have seen deep impact i mean like compared to the amount of people who have seen armageddon um i feel like an independence day also has like the you know you watch it every year in independence day kind of thing where it's like you're gonna you know see it at some point in your life um right Oh. Yeah, I, I I agree with you in a way that Armageddon, um, in particular, is probably the one that most people would associate it with this kind of, um, you know, the basic idea that there's an impending um, existential existential threat to humanity um, in the form of some sort of uh, hurtling space object. Um, yeah, there, you know, that that's like- a big big one. Yeah, and, like, as a movie, Armageddon kind of represents, like, a certain idea of the disaster movie, which is just, like, kind of like the total junk food movie, you know, <laughs> where it's just, like, it's, like, yeah, there there is, like, you know, a bunch of uh, cities getting blown up, and there's that sort of opening section, but there's also, you know, there's romance, there's comedy, I mean, romance involving, like, weird animal crackers, you know, there's that, uh, you know, there's the Steven Tyler song, there's, you know, comedy with Steve Buscemi and, like, Owen Wilson's in it, and then it's, like, Oh, but it also has these big tearjerker moments at the end, you know, so it just kind of like hits all the notes in like the most bombastic kind of like aggressive way. So, I mean, that's why it's obviously so divisive too. why I think you can ask some people and they're like, oh yeah, Armageddon, a blast. And then other people are just like, 
what dog shit. Like, I can't believe people like this. So, I mean, in that sense, it's like a lot of disaster movies, like not for everyone. Yeah, and I usually like dog shit, but I I am not a fan of Armageddon. Um, I I much prefer Deep Impact. It's it, its tone is all different. It's more, I hate to say the word realistic, but it is a slightly more realistic take. I feel on on what would be happening if if a meteorite. Wait, you're saying wait wait you're saying a bunch of oil riggers being sent to blow up an asteroid is not realistic? They're the only ones who can do it. I've really yeah, thought about this a lot, and I don't know. I don't know about that take. All right. All right. Well, Dan. Armageddon v Deep Impact. Which which do you prefer? Uh, I'm gonna have to side with the dumb junk. Um, <laughs> I like, uh, I you know, I like Armageddon. Ooh. I think it's, Armageddon's a blast. There's a reason why it's in uh, you know the Criterion Collection. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of uh, you know it's one of Michael Bay's finer movies. You know, he's a he makes big shiny junk and he was given the opportunity to make just like the biggest shiniest piece of junk possible and he did it so i mean yeah deep impact is kind of like ponderous that's my main memory of it it's a little it's too self-serious which is not what i want in a disaster movie i want something that is just kind of unapologetic about its goofiness that's a very fair point uh sellers where do you fall on this i will take deep impact um I prefer comets, comets to uh, asteroids. Okay. First of all, very important. Yeah. Um, why? Why? They, yes. Um, why? Uh, you know, it's got the fire as well. A comet. Fire trail. <laughs> so it's got it's got a mix. Aren't comets um, made of ice? They look cooler in the sky. Like just look at the CGI. Look at look at what happens. <laughs> you have like a, a rock that's coming at you, or you have like a fireball. What's cooler? Um, you also have, um, you know, Dan, you're so cynical. This, this movie is so sad and it's so, you know, um, they, you know, they, the, yeah, the main I don't, character. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch a sad movie. If I don't watch a sad movie, I don't watch a good sad movie. I don't want to watch like, <laughs> These people are like Elijah Wood, like Taylor Leone, character, the main character, uh, she reconciles with her, her father at the end and they, they, they stand on a beach as the huge wave, tidal wave, comes at them and, and kills them. It is beautiful. Like, yeah. not to spoil this movie, but the main character dies. This is great. Yeah, you know who doesn't die? Bruce Willis. Oh, wait, he does. Yes, he does. No, yeah, he, does. he does die, Dad. But no, but this is actually, this is a good point. Armageddon he has just this, those same emotional highs <laughs> as Deep Impact. No, no in, Armageddon, Bruce Willis in Armageddon, that's not himself. a high. Oh, it's devastating. I mean, it's a total tearjerker moment. You're just the bawling your eyes out. You're like, what a good dad. Yeah. You know? No, he's, he, I'm so happy that he dies in that movie. He's such a bad character. Oh, I do cry. I cry when he, when they, when Ben comes home and like hugs live. And the whole handshake, yeah. like I want to shake the hand oh, of the, that, that whole deal. Yeah. So I'm crying I now. see everyone's point. I mean, I want to see yeah. the good thing about Deep Impact is you do see the comet in this case actually make contact with Earth. So, I mean, that that's a little bit of a resolution there that I do appreciate. Yeah, the money shot. Exactly, so to speak. Robert Duvall, Robert Duvall's uh, aging astronaut <laughs> is a fantastic uh, performance, and I think he should have won an Oscar for it. Do you really believe that, or are wow. you just saying that? Yes. <laughs> What won the Oscar in 1998 that was better than his performance in that what, movie? What, he'd be supporting, right? Yep. 
I didn't even remember that he was in that movie. <laughs> yeah, me so neither. <laughs> I'm like, I, for, I forgot they were like, asking. That's how, that's how, that's how, that's how sublime it is, Dan. Dan, that's how sublime it is. He he just blends in. Um, actor in a supporting role, 1998. You have Robin Williams, Goodwill Hunting, who obviously won. Robert Forrester, Jackie Brown, Anthony Hopkins, Amistad. Greg Kinnear, As Good As It Gets, which I, I like that movie a lot. Underrated. Burt Reynolds, Boogie Nights. That's actually a pretty stacked category. I think you, maybe they just didn't have room for Robert Duvall's forgettable performance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <classic> <laughs> snub. One of those snubs everyone always talks about every year. <laughs> Justice All for right. Duvall. So next up, I want to set up a hypothetical question. Uh, making your perfect disaster movie. So bear with me. We need a disaster, people that are starring, and the director. And no, we did not talk about this yesterday. No, we talked about it yesterday, so you had some time to prepare. But uh, <laughs> Dan, uh, what what would your what would your perfect disaster movie be if you had to build it from scratch? Um, yeah, you know, I'm not. First of all, we already have the perfect disaster movie. It's called Armageddon. So <laughs> and we don't need, you know, there's no need to try to build the perfect disaster movie. Instead, I, I'm more interested in sort of like uh, building an imperfect disaster movie. So I'm gonna start with the disaster. I want to I want a smog movie. Ooh. I feel like that's like, you know, we were talking about the mist a little bit earlier, but like, I really want a good, like, just movie about smog and like, uh, the smog goes after people in a big cloud or I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how the smog is going to be disastrous, but it's bad, you know, and obviously a climate change angle. Um, and yeah, then as the cast, I want Colin Farrell as like the main guy. I don't know if he's like a scientist or if he's just a normal guy who's kind of like, you know rugged and hates the smog he lives in la he drives everywhere you know um and then i was thinking like we're gonna cast his daughter probably because he's gonna have a daughter that he needs to save and i was thinking we could get like billy ellish or someone like that oh perfect um, Super trendy to play uh his daughter and and then for the director i was like let's get sophia coppola to do this Ooh. i want to see like the, i want to see the sophia the kind of like moody sophia coppola disaster movie with like new order songs on the soundtrack and like i don't know i just think uh, you know that would be a that would be one where i would see the poster and i'd be like all right i'm down this is a sophia coppola a24 smog disaster movie like yeah this sounds cool when I think smog, I do think Colin Farrell. So that's a per- pitch perfect casting. Actually. Yeah, he loves smoking cigarettes. So. Yeah. He is the smog. That's the twist. He, he brings it with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love smog. I would see smog. Uh, Sellers, what do you think here? Okay, so we want the perfect disaster movie? Yeah, your own that perfect the question? disaster movie. All right, so this is the opportunity for us to talk about San Andreas. <laughs> It is the perfect disaster movie. So there's here, here's who I would want to star in it: The Rock. Wait, wait, so San Andreas is an earthquake movie, right? Um, the San Andreas fault uh, suddenly grinds, <laughs> whatever it does. Yes, the tectonic who, who, who plays who plays the Chicken Little in that? It's Paul Giamatti, the perfect Chicken Little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, the movie kind of begins at at the the um, at the what's the name of that dance the the uh, the Hoover Dam, the right? Hoover it begins Dam. at the Hoover Dam. Right. The Hoover Dam goes falls apart, and there's a great shot of the Hoover Dam breaking apart and water going everywhere. And then it shifts to L.A., where hey, uh, we got we have a, a hero played by The Rock. Well, you're just describing San Andreas. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> I lost. This I, is, I, not are, is this, this is your not hypothetical? <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is not the prompt at all. Okay. 
so then then what happens is his his you know his daughter um is actually in san francisco with you know his ex-wife's uh new boyfriend of course our fiance and for some reason and uh the whole movie is about the rock and carla gugino reuniting to go save their daughter in san francisco along the fault line that is the perfect setup for a movie yeah, that's not what we're supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> okay, I, I so, respect I respect your reluctance to do the thing, but um, well, yeah, then we did our homework. Okay, so who's starring in the, who's starring in the, my theoretical movie that's based on this? Yeah, you're not and real. It's not one. the Rock. Yeah, let's recast San Andreas then. <laughs> okay, okay, so then it's, it's, it's Vin Diesel. Okay, Vin Diesel is starring in this movie. What's the difference, um, really? The though? disaster I mean, instead of being about. The disaster, instead of being about an earthquake along the San Andreas fault line, it is a volcano explosion uh, movie in, let's say, the Pacific. Uh, you know, how about Hawaii? Okay. And um, who's directing this? Hmm. Um, I am going to go for the director with directed by. No, that'd be stupid. I was going to say Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> <laughs> Bong Joon-ho's uh, Volcano. Okay. Dude, that would, I, you're, you're thinking about this very pragmatically. In a boardroom full of uh, Hollywood suits, I do feel like this would sell. It's San Andreas, but with Vin Diesel in Hawaii with a volcano, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. I feel like that would work. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, what is your not real movie uh, that would be your idea? Of a perfect disaster movie. Okay. 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 Picture this. Uh Jamie Lee Curtis Love it playing yeah. a like botanist, like naturalist, sort of sciencey type character. Uh and the president calls her and says, Hey, uh, whatever her character's name is, the plants of the world have turned against us. And they're now like releasing toxins into the air. They're causing landslides and earthquakes. And so I think we need you to figure out what's going on and how to stop it. And it's directed by John Carpenter. Ooh. Boom. Oh. A little spooky. Ooh, I like that. He, Poison he, Ivy? He like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of like practical effects of like weird plant stuff. So I feel like he would be good. So is it, is it, is it all plants? Well, because I was so, what I was thinking about when I was thinking about this was uh, the show Zoo, which I think was on CBS, which the premise of the show is <laughs> the animals of the world have turned against humanity and are now trying to kill us. Like every single animal. Sure. Uh, but I feel like it would be cool to do it with plants. So that's my idea. I like that. The most, I wonder what the most, you know, besides the poison ivy is the poison shumax of the world. I feel like Venus flytraps could be a problem. Oh, in this, yeah. In this scenario. All the like carnivorous plants they get they start growing like really big like you know eating human mm -hmm. thighs mm -hmm. yeah a lot of good ideas mm -hmm. here all right so my disaster movie um it, it's 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 based on a historical event it's based on the great molasses flood of 1919 <laughs> in boston i almost did this one i was looking at the wikipedia page <laughs> i was worried that someone would because it's just it's so ripe for the pick if you're not familiar yeah. in boston uh in 1919 of course there was a, a large storage tank. I think it was filled with almost like 3 million gallons of molasses. 
it broke a 40-foot wave of molasses ripped through downtown Boston, injuring hundreds and killing 21 people. So here, my my cast would be an uh, an ensemble of Boston All-Stars. Uh, we're getting Ben Affleck and Matt Damon back together. You got Mark Wahlberg. You have Rachel Dratch. Uh, Conan O'Brien, Big Poppy, makes an appearance. <laughs> uh, Michael Bay will direct and add a lot of explosions. Um, I would call it... I, I have two two title options, either... Sticky waves in the back bay or molasses with a big exclamation point. <laughs> I like that. And I feel like you know, the you movie... Wanna... What? Yeah, please. The, the, the thing that turned me off was the Boston element of it. <laughs> I was like, there are too many Boston movies. <laughs> and I think I feel like you've gone the wrong direction by casting all these Boston people. We need to, because the molasses flood is a great idea. We need to move it to a different city. Boston is just two played out all those actors that would be annoying in a boston disaster movie this sounds like the most irritating they're all slipping on molasses and like wearing period clothes like it sounds like the most miserable movie yeah there'd be a lot of molasses in people's girdles and things like that well i feel like you would tell it because the thing is people say oh on hot days you can still smell the molasses so i'm picturing like an old matt damon like from saving private ryan like his grandkid maybe says I can smell the molasses and his eyes kind of glaze over and he goes into this tale of, of that, you know, that fateful day in January uh, many years ago. But I could see how this would be very annoying also, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think like you an, could... This sounds like an episode of Drunk History. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think you could move it to another city um, and just kind of like take the idea of the molasses thing and like update it to now, you know? Like that's what I want to see, like, like, you know, like kind of how like War of the Worlds, like the Tom Cruise Spielberg one, they made it set in the present day. So it's like, I want to see a molasses flood uh, in 2020, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. Except for instead of molasses, how about lava? <laughs> yeah. Well, now no. you're just doing Dante's me. Well, the yeah. thing about molasses, I don't think there are these giant uh, molasses towers anymore. I could be wrong. I don't keep up with that stuff, but. It is sort of cool. Yeah, maybe that's part of the premise of the movie. Like the. 2020 like Richard, Detroit. Like Richard Schiff Richard Schiff is like we got to build a big molasses tower <laughs> and you know they, they do that in like Portland or something and then it blows up like, and uh, you know it floods the ooh floods oh, the I city like one... the greedy capitalists they they set up an illegal uh, molasses uh, plant that they're kind of like yeah. covering and then that sets off a series of disasters okay I see where you're going oh I just figured out what my hypothetical my actual not San Andreas one <laughs> It's basically, <laughs> it's, it's succession. It's succession. The entire cast, everything about it, except for there's now a volcano. Okay. That's about to blow its top. Active volcano. And, okay. Yes. Guest starring Richard Schiff. <laughs> As it's a crossover with, with a billions crossover oh that has Paul Giamatti uh, coming in. <laughs> too that's much. my movie. That's not, that's no, not a movie. Do they own the volcano? You say too much? That is that is specifically a blockbuster and specifically a disaster movie. Too much? That's what you want. John, you're just describing yes, your succession billions crossover fan fiction. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about our favorite disaster movies overall of all time. Rise above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. 
With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com. Introducing Hashtag Matter, a brand new eight-episode scripted podcast. 42 a little over 12 months ago, an 18-year-old African-American young man named Niles Hayes was driving a family friend's luxury vehicle when he was stopped for a routine traffic violation. Things escalate quickly. No! Unit 510 Nora, we have a 999 shooting in progress. Officers down. Within hours of the police stop, footage of the entire altercation gets posted online, and it goes Viral. I'm Colleen Sanders, and we're here live from the Los Angeles Valley. Chase, air on you see how they do us? This case presented a lot of challenges. You got the whole PD outside my building, ready to light the entire block. Any number of outcomes could have happened and different choices were made. I guess what I am struggling with. You struggle with it because you live in a different reality than we do. Listen to Hashtag Matter on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, so what's a great way to spread awareness that driving high is illegal everywhere? A catchy song, of course. You can run, but you can't drive high. You can run, but you can't drive high. Friendly reminder, don't drive high. If you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Okay, uh, we did we did these hypotheticals. We talked about underrated. I just well, while you know running out of time a little bit, but I just want to get uh, each of your singular picks for your favorite disaster movie based on the criteria that you yourselves created. Um, Dan, what's your favorite disaster movie? Um, I feel like I kind of need to say Armageddon because I've been writing so hard for it throughout this podcast. But um, yeah. I'm gonna. Go, uh, I think I'm actually gonna go with. Uh, I really like War of the Worlds, the Spielberg Tom Cruise one. Like, I just think that's a great disaster movie, and uh, yeah, it's it's very good. It's on HBO Go at the moment. I watched it last night after the core to sort of wash the core out of my brain. <laughs> so um, I highly recommend it. Double feature. I like that. I've also watched it recently, and I liked it better than I thought I would. Uh, Emma, what do you think? I mean, I guess I'm going to have to stump for the core because it rules. It's like the perfect, fun, silly, nothing is realistic about it. All the characters are your favorite character. Everyone's great. Uh, the cast is good. The premise is not scientifically sound, but who cares? Um, <laughs> who cares in this And context? there are a lot of like crazy deaths, which is sort of like another morbid reason why people like these movies. It's just like, oh God, how, in what ridiculous way will people die this time? And that movie is just full of it. Of course. So. Love those deaths. Love, love those magma deaths. Uh, Sellers. What's your favorite disaster movie of all time? Um, the cops are second. coming for you. Sure. Uh, no, that was they came out with laundry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> what, what was the question? Say, say it again. Your all-time favorite disaster movie, just overall. Okay, so it's. This, I'm going to decide this as I'm talking. Okay. Um, it. You know, I, I. I'm. You know, kind of a old. You guys know me. I like stuff from the '90s and stuff. Sure. But. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's weird. I'm going to, I'm, I'm either going to go with, I'm either going to go with Geostorm, which I watched for the third time wow. last night. Um, it's just endlessly entertaining um, in its ridiculousness. And, you know, um, or San Andreas, which as I've said, is the literally the perfect. I, and I think that's why they, they green, green lighted it. Right. It was like, somebody said like, okay, we got a perfect disaster movie with the rock or, you know, the rocks in it. It's, he's trying to get from, to save his daughter, save the world, um, save the, save the state at the very least. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just has it all. It has it all. It has the, has, it has the rock. It also has the, the, the dazzling special effects um, it's got, it's got, uh, it's funny the way that it plays out too. Cause it's got, it's got the earthquake. It's got the, the buildings collapse. It's got the wave, the tidal wave. Yeah. It's got, and it just keeps, they keep adding, it's got the flood. So it's basically all of these, it's all consuming. It consumes all other disaster movies as the movie can, or goes through it. And, and there's a, also a, you know, marginally happy ending. So if I'm understanding you, it's San Andreas is better than like Titanic. Is what you're saying, and San Andreas should should have won Best Picture in the year it came out. Okay, I'm not. I, I don't. The awards. The, the, there needs to be an award show that is just about disaster movies, probably, or just movies that are awesome. <laughs> and I'm going to say that this is 100 like fun and awesome. Uh, Titanic, not not fun. It's pretty awesome though. Cats are fun. Yeah, yeah. I, is it? It inspires I, on I, me every time awesome. I watch it. I mean, it does have Billy. It does have Billy Zane in it. It's got a, it's got a killer Billy Zane. Yeah, it's 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 got a love story. I mean, it's you got to have a little love in these disaster movies, or or else it's not going to be as impactful, you know. Yeah, I mean, basically, that's just the towering inferno on a boat, though. Ultimately, which I think. I, I, for my pick, I would say um, I do like the Towering Inferno. I think it's like it's very fun. It's very seventies. It's super silly. It's super fun. I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it. So solid, solid pick. pick. Uh, it's it's the OG. Uh, well, this was fun. I would say we we averted disaster narrowly a couple times during the recording of this very podcast. Which <laughs> so we should all be proud of ourselves for making it through. Emma, if people want to find you on the internet, uh, where can they do so? You guys can find me uh, on Thrillist.com writing my stuff, writing about disaster movies and other kinds of movies and TV and, you know, whatever. Uh, And you can also find me on Twitter at Stefabski. It's my last name with a typo in it. A typo on purpose. There should be a word for that. Dan, what about you? Where can people find you if you want them to find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Daniel V. Jackson. So, yeah, I'm there. You can uh, yell at me about um, Armageddon. I think people like Armageddon. I think I think that's that's your most populist pick since you've been on this podcast. <laughs> you usually go for the deep guts. Wow. <laughs> Went for Armageddon this time, which I like. Well, I mean that in a good way. Sellers, what about you? Do you want people to find you? If so, where? <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't find me. <laughs> okay. But I, I I am I am on Twitter, and I'm also um, just everywhere you think of disaster movies. Exactly. Speaking of disaster, you guys hear that siren? That sounds like a good way <laughs> to <does>. end this. <laughs> all right. Uh, the 20 best disaster movies you should watch right now is on Thrillist.com. Find all three of these people. Guys, thanks for coming on and talking disasters with me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thank you. for having us. It was fun. Awesome. We survived. Woof. We did. <laughs> all right. Big thanks to our guests and the people who put this whole thing together. 
Mia Fask, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirch, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld, and from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hatakudar. This episode was edited and mixed by Dan Byrne, who helped us avoid many, many, many disasters over the course of the episode. See you all next week. Have fun out there. Rise above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com. Millions of people have been diagnosed with autism. First came Donald T. in 1943. At the time, autism wasn't even a word that I'm aware of. And we found him seven decades later in Forest, Mississippi. I'm Karen Zucker. And I'm John Donvan. Join us to learn more about Donald's remarkable life. The community that embraced him. And a diagnosis that changed history. Listen to Autism's First Child starting April 14th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Money can be a daunting subject. And while most money shows include a whole bunch of jargon, you're not going to need a dictionary on hand in order to learn while listening to our show, How to Money. We have money conversations that are relevant, and they're intended to help you suck a whole lot less at this money thing. We release three episodes a week covering crucial topics like student loans, investing in a volatile market, and what to do about insane housing prices right now. Since April is Financial Literacy Month, now is the perfect time to start. Listen to How to Money on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.